people get so stuck on what the plan is that they don't do anything. I would so much rather, and this is no joke, I would rather find somebody to run my company who has started and failed a hundred times at running a company than someone who just got out of business school. Your business is not a pyramid. It's a round table where every voice should matter. You're listening to the Culture Camp Podcast, where we believe that if you build your dream team, anything is possible. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organizations. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Here is your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp with Jason Haugen. Hey, I got one of my favorite people here, one of my good friends, respect this guy to death, Keaton Hoskins. Keaton, welcome. What's up, man? Hey. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Dude, you are literally one of the most interesting guys I've ever <laughs> met, man. Like, you know, we met a couple of years ago. I guess, yeah, it's been a couple of years ago since the trailer when we got that Riverstone and we kind of just hit it off and yeah. kind of been friends and hanging been out. Friends and, ever since. You know, we've gotten closer and closer and kids hang out together and all that stuff. But, you know, I've respected you many, many years ago, not only for the show, but for, you know, what you've done. And I, you know, watched from afar of, you know, your nutrition company and the different things you've done and heard a lot about you because, you know, my father-in-law, um, he was kind of in business with you back in the day, but man, I just, I, you know, first off, I like to just start with, you know, your story. You've gone, you've had a kind of rough go at it when, at the beginning with your father. And I just kind of, I feel like that's made you the man that you are today and yeah. kind of propelled you to, you know, do what you're doing. So, you know, just start back maybe, you know, right after you got back from your mission and where you kind of going or maybe before whatever, wherever you're kind of entrepreneurial, the moment where I was like, I, I want to be different. You know what, dude, I was actually thinking about this the other day and I'm going to pose a question because I think it's going to put us into something, but do you think entrepreneurs are born or they're made? Man, that's a great question. I think a lot of them are born, okay. but I do think people can be made. What attributes do you think it is that they're born into? You know, sometimes you see like them, if, if it's like a struggle and they're just, they have that grind and that grit to fight. Yeah. You know, you do see a lot of that. And that's why, like, I do believe like a lot of second generation, quote unquote, entrepreneurs are very rare. Yeah. Because they're born into not a struggle. Exactly. Right. They're born into just everything was kind of maybe given to them. They're just used to life being easy. Yeah. When you're born in a situation where you never really expected anything or you never expected to be successful and you made yourself successful and like you grinded and had the grit to do that. I think that like yeah. your situation definitely like molds you to molds your future. You yeah. I think I, I thought about this a lot. Like was I specifically born to be an entrepreneur? Did I work into it? I think there's a really big common denominator on entrepreneurs and it's that they don't want to be told what to do. They don't really listen very well. They don't do anything the way that people tell them to do things. Right. And like for me, obviously there's, there's two sides of that coin, right? Like I'm doing a lot of shit I shouldn't be doing because I'm just like, no, you're not going to tell me what to do, you know? And, and I think, I definitely think people can learn to become an entrepreneur, but right. I think that, that there is a vast number of entrepreneurs who were just born to never be able to work for somebody. And I think that that was me. Like I, I never followed rules. I never listened to people. I never abided by the system. Like whatever the system is, I never abided by it. You look back and like, I was really good at football and I was horrible in school and I was horrible in school because it was a system that was put into place to kind of like 
tell me what I should do in my career. And, you know, my dad who was sick a lot of my, a lot of my life growing up, he would always tell me like, go to school, get a career, get a job, 401k, have safety, quote unquote safety. And he always taught that to us. And I always disagreed with it, but he, he pressed it and pressed it and pressed it. And I have, there's five of us in my family. I'm the oldest of five. And every one of us at some point had that conversation with him. It was like, dude, go to school, get your, get your degree, do your thing, and then get a job and become the CEO and work your way up. And his explanation of that was that was how he did it. And that's how we should do it. And, and I remember even, dude, even when I was like 10, like, I'm not going to do it that way. I don't want to do it that way. Right. I don't, don't want to have the, the 60 K a year job. I don't want to have the little house with a nice picket fence and, I just don't want to. I want to be able to do life, whatever the fuck I want to do, anytime I want to do it, however I want to do it. And I knew that that was how I was going to do this life. And I thought, I'm either going to be really successful or I'm going to fail really, really hard. Back then, that was my thought. Now I know I did both. But essentially, growing up that way and then watching my father die when I was 21 and his company, he was the CEO of his company, a big contracting firm here in, in Layton, actually. Wow. And he was a CEO for a while, very successful. And when he got sick, the last two years of his life, they dumped him. Like, really? We can't use you. Dude, my, I remember my dad rolling his oxygen cart into work every day. He was really? just like, no, I got to do it. Wow. And I remember watching them just dump him like he was a piece of trash and realizing that everything he had taught me up to that point was total bullshit. There's no safety. Right. There's no such thing as like, well, this is the safer route. Like there may be a, a more mediocre route and the less that you do, maybe it's more safe from taking risks. But the reality is, is like nothing in life is safe. Like all the time, CEOs are fired all the time. All the time. Best employees are fired. Yeah. Like there's no real safety. So if you're doing something in your life, like working a nine to five, because it feels safe, you're just fucking fooling yourself. Right. And, and I realized that really, really early on. So when I got back from my mission, I watched my father die. It changed me because it gave me perspective. And that was, he was 47 years old. Oh, he's so young. Young as shit. And I realized like, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I know what's most important. And sitting here with him in this chair while he's dying, I don't want to do this and have regrets. And the only way I'm going to regret is if I follow somebody's system. Right. And that's what it was, dude. And plain and simple, like I decided I'm not going to follow anybody's system anymore. I'm going to do my own fucking thing. And if I fail, I fail. And if I don't, I, I, I'm I'm doing my own thing. Right. And from that point forward, I, I kind of forged this idea in my mind that I would rather sink on my own ship than I would sell on somebody else's. Right. And, and that's, that is exactly how I've lived my life ever since. Uh, That's huge. My mom always used to tell me if it is to be, it's up to me. You know, you don't let anybody else tell you what you can and cannot do. And if you're going to make something happen, you do it yourself. It's almost that, that attitude that you had that you're like, I don't want to work for anybody or I don't want anybody to control me or like tell me what to do to do this. This is how much you're worth. Because yeah. when you're trading time for money, they get you know, oftentimes it's like, this is how much you're worth. And you know, with, I understand companies cause I own them and there's so much, there's only so much money you can give out. Yeah. But there's also a different side of that. Like if you're just trading time for money and you're miserable, like we, like we, I've heard some stories of people that are just trading time for money and they're miserable. Okay. We'll go find a better, like there's better situations out there. Yeah. And like right now there's so many different side hustles, quote unquote, or different things to make money. There's a lot of opportunity out there. And so, yeah. you know, I think that's, Going back to what you said before about you were born in that, like you, you were, it seems like you were born to be like who you are and like what you're doing of how, like you're at it, like attitude, right? Because yeah. I call it like the intangible things. Like yeah, yeah. I can't teach you 
that grit, right? Like yeah. you have that freaking kick ass. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. Like when we were in Mexico and you needed a yacht, by damned, we were going to find a yacht that day. <laughs> but they kept telling us, no, 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 no. And what did we end up doing? We found a yacht. Because yeah. like you can't tell you no. That's rare because a lot of people out there want to own a business or they want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. They get one little thing of like pushback and then they, they, they fold. Yeah. And like, so... I do agree with you. Like you're born in that situation and you were born with that. Like no one taught you that. It seems like you were there right at the beginning, right from when you were little, you watch your dad go through things. How do you think that like, you know, getting a little bit deeper, how do you think watching your dad do that and go through that corporate, go through corporate? Cause like, that's what everybody yeah, wants, right? Corporate a corporate America. job, corporate America. It's and dude, great. And my dad had the perfect life in, in the American dreams eyes, right? Like he was making over a hundred K. He was the CEO. He was the top, top dog. And it was just total bullshit. Right. And so how do you think watching him go through that? Like, and I, you kind of got in a little bit of but, but like, what made you say, okay, I'm going to start like the businesses you did or do something or, you know, I'm going to do something different. Was, was it like the death or was it like, you know, I'm not going to, was it way before that? Or was it after that? I think when you spend time with somebody that you love, that you know is dying and then they pass away, you get a new perspective. And right. a lot of people don't have that. They just don't. I was lucky enough. And I say lucky because I, you know, that was an experience, even though it was hard, it was really good. It readjusted my mind from, dude, I was a total dipshit before my mission. I, I focused on nothing. I didn't care about anything except for what I wanted to do. I played football. That's all that I cared about. Girls, football, like that's just what it was. When I got back from my mission, I was very focused. I was very goal oriented. I wanted to go to medical school. I want to do all these things. And when I saw my dad pass away, I remember in internally taking that and stepping back and saying, man, I do not want to be here one day and have my family surround me and feel regret. Right. And, you know, my dad had some money. He wasn't, we weren't well off by any means. My dad had some money and I think he had regrets. I think he regretted his relationships. Him and my mom had a beautiful relationship, but outside of that, he didn't have a ton of great relationships because he was always working. Really? I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Like that was something that I had to come to terms with years later that I just, you know, he was dying. I didn't have a good relationship, but I looked at that and I thought, okay, so now that that's off the table, dad's gone. What is most important to me? And on the top of that list was make money, like plain and simple. I want to make money. That's all right. I want to do. And on top of that, I kind of split it off into, okay, if, and when I make money, what really do I want to do with it? Do I want to right. save it? Do I want to build businesses? Do I want to invest? And all I could think about was like, no, I just want to have fun. And I want to have memories with people. And I want to create great relationships with people. And I want to be a family member or an acquaintance. I don't want to do anything in between. Like I don't right. have half friends. You know, I don't have people that I know that I sometimes spend time with. Like you're either fucking all the way in or you're just an acquaintance that I know. Right. And and then the ones that are all in that I consider my family, like I, I work on those relationships. I want to do things for those people and I want to create those things. Because at the end of the day, when we die, like my dad did, the money in the bank account doesn't mean shit. Right. You look back on the feelings you felt with that person, the memories that you made and the relationship that you had. And that was it. And so I knew to get to where I wanted to be that one day when I lay on this bed, because we all are going to lay there, yes, we to are. have no regret, I needed to make money first. And then I could build so many things. And so, dude, I I dove headfirst into what can I do to make money? 
And what did you do? And immediately I was, I was actually in pre-med. I was doing, I was. So you went back to school that you did. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, so when I got home from my mission, I wanted to be a doctor. Really? Yeah. That was my plan. So I was working at the university of Utah in a neonatology research lab. I had, I, was, dude, I had no, idea. I did yeah, not know um, Dr. Hoskins. And, yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing was like, because this illness had affected my dad, I wanted to find the cure. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can that see that thing. for sure. Um, and so I started doing pre-med and I was working three jobs and I was doing all this shit, dude. I was running like crazy. There was nights I didn't sleep. Like people talk about staying up all night. Like I would sleep three days a week. That's insane. I had three jobs and, and, and one of them was from 10 o'clock at night till seven o'clock in the morning. And that was at the, uh, the research lab at the U of U. And I wow. did it because I was working with the deans of admission for the medical program. So I was like, I'm going to get my foot in the door. Right. So anyways, I did that and I started talking to doctors and doctors and doctors and every fucking doctor had the same answer. If you're doing this for money, don't do it. If you want to make money, don't do it. This is never going to make you rich. Right. You just, you're just going to have that cookie cutter American dream. And every one of them was like, the debt is crazy. You have no time. You're working around the clock. Like you'll make money, but you'll be so busy. You'll never be able to do anything. And every one of the doctors was like, dude, if you're doing this for money, it's not worth it. Really? And I was like, fuck, man, I never really got really good reviews from doctors. They were never (laughs) like, I love it, man. It's so great. And so I thought I'm not doing this shit anymore. So I left. I, I quit. I didn't. I left school. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I and I was like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. So I'm going to start being a personal trainer. So I became a personal trainer. I started uh, at a gym called Crossroads Fitness. And, I remember that. And then I really quickly started selling more personal training than anybody in the gym, including the managers and everybody. So they made me kind of the personal training manager. And then very quickly, quickly I got with the owner. I was like, I want to help you build these and I want to make money from them. So... Let's build them and give me some ownership. Right. So I started working into that. It, the whole deal went south after we started like three or four gyms. Right. I remember I used to go to the one in South Ogden. Yeah, yeah. I built the one in yeah, South Ogden. I used to go there. So, so essentially I left there and I vowed to never, ever work for somebody ever, even though I wasn't really working for him because I was essentially an owner. And I started my first company, which was mobile fitness training. It was called MoFit. Right. And dude, we killed it. I had six or seven trainers that worked for me around the clock, like literally from five in the morning, nine o'clock at night, I had trainers training people in their homes. And that was my first business. And it was a cash business. So I was seeing 60, 70, $80,000 roll through my door, throwing it in a safe, paying my trainers, you know, 15, 20 grand which was still really great money, you know? And, and I just, from there started being an entrepreneur, like, and doing everything. I mean, that's a kind of a left turn from medical to, you know, the gyms to MoFit. First, I want to ask is how do you start businesses? Because a lot of people out there and, you know, I've been on a lot of, you know, around where people are like, how do I start a business? What do I do? What do I, and I'm like, you, you just, start <laughs> like you just do, you just do. so yeah, how do you, you do. start like what is, personally what so do you do i assess immediately before i do a business i assess if it can make money period end of story i don't give a shit about a business that looks cool sounds cool is fun don't give a shit about any of that i hope my businesses are fun but i don't give a shit about that right i care can fun don't pay the bills me money right that's all i care about money 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 that's what i want that's what i focus on that's what i'm building that's what i'm growing and so when i start a company i'm like okay can it make money cool let's do it and then I just go head first into it. I have no fucking clue how to do it, what to do, how to set it up. Dude, I've never in my life, in the 20-something businesses that I've started, never done a business plan. Never. Really? Never. No. See, most people get so stuck on the business exactly. plan. Exactly. And they, they screw everything up that way. Right. And then 
it's like then, analysis by you know, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, they sit sure. there and they're like, they I don't know like, what else. I don't know what to do. But I do think that it's that personality. Yeah. Because like going back to where you said you were born, it's hard for a certain personality to start a business. It really is. When they analyze everything. And I don't I don't I don't say this for those people who listen to this podcast that are engineers, but I am yet to find an engineer that can start a business. Because right. engineers are very clockwork people. They put everything down. They go through everything. They go through it again. They put everything on paper. They spreadsheet everything. That kind of person is going to have a really, really, really hard time doing a business. They right. just are. But on the other hand, where it's me, who I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. We're just going to get going. We're going to get rocking. I'm going to get things up, and I'm going to start taking money immediately. I've never even had a business I wasn't taking money immediately. Really? Just never. automatic revenue? Yeah, automatic, rhythm. dude. That's essentially how I start my businesses. I never know what I'm doing, dude. Everybody looks at me like some of my companies are six, seven, eight figure companies. I don't, I don't know what I was doing. Right. I just did it. I started it. You know, we, we started a, a plastic surgery clinic. We started a dental office with your, you know, your father-in-law as one of our um, guys who built the teeth for us. Right. I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. Dude. <laughs> right. No idea. I mean, from training, from medical to training to dental. Yeah, to plastic surgery yeah. is just, you know, but that just shows that if you want to do anything and like you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Like you don't have to know plastic surgery. No, hell no. You just need someone that can operate and then you can figure out the other things. Well, dude, and that's the thing is like people get so stuck on what the plan is that they don't do anything. I would so much rather, and this is no joke, I would rather find somebody to run my company who has started and failed a hundred times at running a company than someone who just got out of business school. Right. Oh, for sure. Because you have Experience. someone who's doing things right. and taking action and growing and blowing up. And, and listen, man, I, at the end of the day, no one's qualified to do what they're doing. They just right. aren't like, you think Elon Musk is qualified to go to space? Fuck no. Right. But he, he is, he can line up the people. And yeah. And he's going to create the craziest, coolest program to do it. Right. And that's the, you know, that's another part to, to being a business owner. You got to be able to know where you're good and where you're not and right. get the people in who can do what you can't. Exactly. But for me, man, it was really simple. It's like, just fucking go, 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 go move, take action, pick up, go pay for things, like get things going. And then most importantly, take the money, take the paycheck. Right. Like get that shit in your bank account. Build something to a hundred grand. It's really not hard to make money anymore. No, it's not. You know, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, but um, you know, my my limitless society group that I coach, I haphazardly said to somebody, they said they asked me, if you had no money today, like how would you get it back? And this is not a joke, dude. If I had no money today, I would ask somebody for 20 bucks. Cause let's say I have literally no money. Somebody will loan you 20 bucks. Right. I would go to Walmart and I would get stencils and I would get spray paint and I would go around to every person in the neighborhood and I would knock on their door and I would say, Hey, for 50 bucks, I can spray paint your sidewalk, your address. There's no address there. I can spray paint it. We could do red, white, blue, whatever you want. I'll even put a logo in the U of U or BYU or whatever the, you know, the local football team is right. I would knock a hundred doors and I would take $50 from a hundred people on day one. Right. And it would be a bitch. It would be 12 to 14 hours right, and I'd be fucking out there spray painting. You got to do what you got to do. But what's a hundred people times 50 bucks? Five, it's five, five grand, five grand. Yeah. I would make five grand today right now. If I mean, it's four o'clock right now, by the end of by 10 o'clock tonight, when the sun goes down, I'd have five grand in my pocket. That's a cash. And, and dude, and it would be a business. Right. I wouldn't have a license. I wouldn't have a business plan. I wouldn't have a CPA. I wouldn't have a spreadsheet. I would have nothing but knocking on doors with spray paint. And I would do it until I was out of spray paint. And I'd be like, all right, man, I made five grand. What's next? Right. 
the bottom line is making money is not that hard. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. There really is not. And, and, and I realized that at a really young age, there's trillions of dollars out there and you're kind of a piece of shit if you're not getting that. Right. And I know a lot of people are not going to like hearing that, but the truth is if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're lazy as fuck and you're not putting time into reality. Right. And that's that there's trillions out there and you're telling me that you can't get a hold of some of it. No, 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 no. You're being lazy. Right. So going back to when you were starting these business and your attitude of just starting, how important it is, because this is culture camp, we, you know, how to build your dream team, how important it is for you to focus on, because you said something there for like two seconds. And I think this is so important that most people get caught up on is most people try to perfect things they're not good at. But I, I think, and this is my opinion, I think real entrepreneurs focus at what they're really good at and get a team to surround them to do the things that they're not good at. Because I think it's the Sholin monks that are like, you know, that practice one move a thousand times instead of a thousand moves one time where they perfect that one move. And how important is that to you? Because you're really good at like branding, marketing, like doing the things and just coming up and just like moving people, like, like making people move. How important it is is it for you to surround yourself with people that can kind of handle the background or handle things that you're not good at? Dude, it's, it's so crucial. I have three assistants. I have a nanny. I have one like mechanic assistant. I have to have people in my life doing things that one, I'm not good at and two, take up too much of my time that don't make me any money. Right. They just do. So in any organization, and I tell people this a lot, like any organization, you find what you're good at and that's what you push towards. And the other things you're not, stop trying to perfect them. Right. Listen, Michael Jordan tried baseball. He probably practiced hard. Was he good at baseball? Not really, but he was fucking good at basketball. Right. He could jump and he could shoot. So he leaned into that and became the best basketball player. Right. He didn't go out and try golf even though he loves golf, right. he did try baseball. It didn't end very well for him. Right. He didn't try football. He was good at basketball and he leaned and pushed into that. That's what it is, man. People who, who find what they're good at and push towards that become the ones that are exceptionally good in, in, in our world and in our culture. Don't waste time doing things that one, you're not interested in and two, you're not good at. Now that's not to say if you want to get better at something to that, you would just say, ah, I'm not good at it at all. So I'm not going to do it. Exactly. But if you're looking to make money, become successful, find true happiness, push towards what you're good at. Right. Like, dude, there's really, really good doctors. Right. I would tell that doctor, go be the best doctor ever. Don't be an entrepreneur. Don't be a basketball player. Don't be a bum. Don't do all these other things. Don't even work on them. Do that and become the best at that and then take money and make money from that. And then when you've done that, then go do the other shit. Like Michael Jordan, he conquered basketball. He's like, ah, might as well go play some baseball. I get this a lot. So you've owned multiple different companies and you have multiple companies at the same time. I get asked because I have the dealerships. we got eight locations and, you know, we're doing that. I got a, you know, cannabis company. We got real estate. We got all these things going on. Everybody, how do you manage them all at once? How do you manage them all and manage them all at once? And, you know, my dad always said, he's like, what, what happens to people is they have a cash cow and that's producing all of their money and they take all of their focus and they go over here and they put all their focus on a startup and then the cash cow starts to die and then, then they go, oh, and then they're like, now they're like, where do yeah. I go there at a crossroads? Yep. How important is it for you or has it been in your life and your business that you've owned is like kind of keep your main, like keep a focus on kind of like where you're headed and the direction you're headed. And then the other things that you do, like making sure it's strategic for you to not 
fuck up anything yeah. else. So I, dude, I honestly, I only prioritize according to what makes me money. I have companies that don't make me a lot of money and I don't prioritize them. I don't make time for them. I don't spend a ton of time on them. And I would rather at this point in my life walk away from something that's not making me very much money that's taking time from me right. than I would dump more time. Even if you have investment in yeah, it? Yeah, even if I have investments, I would rather walk away from so it. So, I mean, your time is worth more my than- My time that. is worth way more than than any business right now. So like right now, my time is split between, you know, let's say four or five different things, right? And all five of those things make money. Right. But one makes a hundred grand a month. One makes 30 grand a month. One makes- 10 grand a month. And then the rest of them make two to five grand a month. And that is how I split my time. The one that's making me the hundred grand is where I'm putting most of my time. Right. You know, and then the other ones are kind of dwindling down. And, and the truth is, is like, if the bottom ones are getting to a place where I'm like, why am I fucking spending six hours a week doing this? And I'm making two grand a month. No, 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 man. Right. I can go spend an hour in the street, knocking doors and make more money than that. So this doesn't make any sense. And I think sometimes people get really caught up in that. So especially people that are entrepreneurs, they're like, oh man, I've been working at this business for 10 years and we're making 5K a month. It's like, it's time to let it go, dude. Like you're fucking wasting time. You can go and be a CEO at McDonald's and make more money and and work less than what you're doing. So don't do that. It doesn't make any sense. Definition of insanity is the same thing over expecting different results. So I always tell people, I prioritize according to money, man. You want my time, it's going to cost you. You want me to focus on something, it's going to cost you because I make a lot of money. So those things that I do need to make a lot of money. Right. I'm not going to waste any more time doing things that it's like, you know, there's one conversation I had yesterday with one of my partners. He was asking me about our company and I just kind of said, you know what, dude, I don't care. He's like, what do you mean you don't care? I'm like, dude, the company paid me 3,500 bucks last month. I'm not going to sit and deal with this issue. Like you can do it. He's my CEO. I'm not going to sit and listen to this issue. You, you do it, figure it out, man. I just want to get a paycheck because 3,500 bucks a month. It just doesn't make any sense for me to dump all this energy in. Right. And we're talking about this shit every single week. I don't want to do that. And if he's like, well, what do you want to do? You want to be bought out? Sure. You can buy me out or I can just fucking give it to you. Cause at this point it's not worth, it's not worth anything. Right. No. Right. And it, you know, it goes to priorities, right? You're, I mean, and I know that you're a big family man. I mean, your family means a lot to you. I know that you're always with your girls and with everybody. And it's worth probably more to you to spend time with them than it is to be sitting on the phone. 100%. You know, dealing with, with that shit. That, and like, it's just not like efficient time, no. right? But it's just, it's, it's a lot of work doing not a lot of getting, not a lot of results when you could give, you know, a little bit more time or maybe no time at all to the other business and it's just cranking out cash and then you go spend time with exactly. your family. Well, dude, and that's the thing too. Like, okay. So the, the business that makes me a hundred grand a month, let's say I spend one hour a day doing that. I, okay. If I spend two hours a day, can I make 200 grand a month? And if that's the case, then why the fuck am I doing anything? Exactly. Else? The truth is, is like sometimes people get bored and I understand that. Like when I make my first billion dollars, I'm probably going to get bored with shit. And I'm just going to do stuff. I started a taco stand. It didn't make any money. I don't care. I love it. Right. right? But it's because I, I know you love tacos. It. You know, I do. <laughs> and and that's the thing is like, it's like, I have so much money. I'm just going to be doing stuff. If you're not at that point, you shouldn't be doing those things. Right. Like, stop doing things that are just eking by. People over leverage themselves because they, they might make, you know, I see a lot of, you know, I was in construction and like making good money in construction. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. I mean, you have to, in construction, you have to have a big cash flow nest egg that you just sit in there for when things, but they always take money and they go try some crazy. Like I had a buddy that was in construction, go open up an ice cream shop and then real expensive. That equipment's not cheap. And they, this particular ice cream shop made the ice cream. They had all the different flavors and you're making it in the back and doing all these things. 
and he spent like $500,000 on this. He was losing 75K a month. And then he's like stressed out of his mind because now the construction's coming down and he just over leveraged himself. So, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Everything's a lesson, right? I mean, he learned a big lesson, but I just, it kills me when people like ask me about something. I'm like, why, why are you going to do stuff? Just, just to put it on your Instagram thing. They're like, oh, I'm a multiple business owner. Well, no, that doesn't mean anything because you can own one business and crush it or you can own 15 and be so cash flow out of your mind. You don't even know what's going on. Like you cash, like strap that you have no money and you know, all this stress. And like, you know, if you can't run one successfully, why do you think you can run multiple? I mean, it's definitely hard. So one thing I want to ask you is how have you been able to scale your companies? You know, you started, you know, I heard it in a, in a podcast that you did recently with Bradley. It's great. If anybody wants to go listen to it, it's a great podcast, but you said that you've never spent more than like 7,500 bucks on a business when you started it. Never. And that was, and this particular one was just because you had to buy material. Yeah. I had to buy the product we were selling. Yeah. So how, because that's a big question for people. Um, They think they need a ton of money to start. You have just, no, you don't. I mean, for example, like if I had no money and I wanted to start a business today, I would go buy $20 worth of spray paint and go start spray painting people's sidewalks. Right. right. And that's, I keep saying that, but that's a business you literally could do and have someone do. You could pay someone 20 bucks an hour and they could pump out four or five houses and make two or 300 bucks an hour. And it right. costs no money. Right. Like, right. so realistically, there is no reason that you need to spend money to build a business. There really isn't like, unless you're talking about something on such a big scale that you have to have, like you said, the machinery or the facility or, you know, and I understand that, but the truth is, is if that, if this is your first go round, you shouldn't be doing those things. Right. You just shouldn't, you know? And so, For me, the personal training company cost me nothing like to start. It it literally didn't. And then I was just training people in their houses for, you know, how did you do your marketing? Just word of mouth pretty much word of mouth. Yeah. Because I had been a trainer for a year and I was really good. And so people like, oh, wait, you're going to start doing in my house and I don't have to pay for the hundred dollar gym membership. Yeah, I'm in dude. And so I did, I, we started it that way. And for my trainers, like I would go meet with people that they knew or that they had trained in other gyms and say, Hey, these, they were going to train you in the, in the gym. And no joke. We started the first week. All of my trainers just had random workout shit, like kettlebells, BOSU balls, wraps, like shit that they had. And I was like, listen, I'll buy you more equipment. But in the beginning, we're going to, you know, we're going to get in and get you training. When I know that you can actually train on a regular basis, we'll go buy you more shit by then it had already made me money. I'd made 10 grand off each trainer before I even spent any money to, to get them BOSU balls, kettlebells, whatever. Right. So same thing. Like I went into the dental office and I was like, Hey, I can show you how to get more clientele and have you working nine to five. I'll do the business side of the company. You just be the dentist. Well, he was already in his facility. He was already a dentist. All I was doing was painting a bigger picture in a different company that didn't even take away from his original company. I was like, listen, I'm just going to start a new company. You can be the dentist for still do your shit. Just make sure you block off when you're going to work for me. So that's what we did. No money down. Who taught you that? Nobody. I was just like, let's just, let's just go start building shit. That's that's insane. But that's so powerful because like we keep going back to it. And, and, but I do think like we're, we're beating it to death and we do need to keep beating it to death because so many entrepreneurs or so many people out there think that they, they have to have this amazing plan and everything's perfect and everything perfect. And 
you just go in there and you just make it happen. You were on one of my first calls with Limitless Society when that guy came mm-hmm. on and said, I've been planning for two years to do a business. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, and I've I been said, thinking about him in the back of my mind, but I don't want to call him out. Yeah. But yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll say like, it. so he, and what did I do? I was like, okay, hey, bro, you have a month. Yeah. It's time. There's no fucking reason you should take two years to build. Nothing. I can get to Mars and back in two years if right. that's my goal. Right. I can. I mean, I bought a, a company that was doing $25 million a year in one day. Yeah. I went there and, okay, this sounds great. Boom, bought it. Let's I mean, it, it. let's do it. And then you roll with it and you, you figure it out. See, dude, and, and that's that's the thing is like, you get into this, like you said, analysis paralysis. But if if people just realize like, you don't need money to, to start a business. You don't need money to make money. Now, with that said, does money help you? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, does it, scales it scale you? Yeah. Does it make it easier? Absolutely. You give me a million dollars, I'll make $10 million. Right. You give me no money, I'll make a million dollars. Right. Right? Like that's that's kind of what it is. And so, and I tell people this a lot, and they don't believe me, but same thing, dude. I went to the plastic surgery clinic. I took my ex-wife in to get a breast augmentation. We sat down for 20 minutes and I said, I think I can help you build this much bigger than it is. And he was like, really? I'm dying to get more clients. I'm paying these guys 20 grand a month to bring clients in, you know, marketing team. Right. I said, listen, let's start our own company. I'll be 50. You be 50. You do the dental or you do the plastic surgery. I'll do the rest. I did it with my brothers. And essentially that's what we did. It didn't cost us a dime. The facility was already there. The doctor was already there. He was already ready to rock and roll. And he took a chance. He's like, oh yeah. And he did a shitload more work. My supplement company. Like I, we got a website done and told the guy, Hey man, We'll give you free supplements for a year if you bill us a website. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Cool. My partners, I was like, hey, man, you're going to do this, this, and this. And uh, you're an employee of the company until, you know, we, we get enough money to have somebody. Literally, we'd had everything laid out. And it was like, all right, man, let's get our first order of supplements. Okay, it's 7,500 bucks. It, you'll sell and you'll make 20 grand. Okay, cool. 7,500 bucks. And then within a wow. month, we sold 20 grand. We had to buy more supplements. And that was really one of the only ones that cost me any money. That's insane. And all of you are just buying product. Buying product. I mean, dude, I started a a, a hormone clinic just yep. barely. We There was no money down. It didn't cost us any money to start the hormone clinic. Really? Yeah. And dude, we already, we have, I don't know, two, 300 clientele already. And we started that six months ago. I tell people this, like the excuse of I don't have any money is overrated, man. It's total bullshit. And I, I said this to somebody the other day in one of my DMs. If a fucking homeless crackhead can get crack every day. You can make money, right? They they don't they don't they have don't, any resources. They don't find the crack because they're broke. No, they, they find they it pay somehow. For it. Yeah, they pay for it. They find right? it somehow. And they're finding money to pay for it somehow. Right. If that crackhead with no teeth, who's mentally unstable and homeless, can get crack every day to keep their addiction up, you sure as fuck can make money. Exactly. There's Dude. no excuse. Mm. Listen to that over and over and over again. That's that's insane. So. I got, how the heck did the Diesel Brothers come up? Like you're doing all of these things and all of a sudden, boom, a TV show pops up. Yeah. So I, along the whole way, I like to build vehicles. I love building vehicles. Like, like that's one of my favorite things like, to do. I mean, you're freaking good at it. Yeah. So and I just well. enjoy doing it. You know, like almost every friendship I have, I usually end up building a vehicle for somebody. Right. And I was building trucks and I grew up with Diesel Dave and Heavy D. We all went to school together. Okay. D- Heavy D went to Layton. Diesel Dave and I went to Davis. And when I got back from my mission, we just became friends. It was like, oh, Oh, you're building trucks. Cool. And essentially I, I owned the biggest gym in Davis County. Uh, at the time I owned Sportsplex yep. gym. I remember um, I used to go there. I had a partner there that kind of went South. And before it went South, I started talking with them. It was like, Hey, I would love to help you. They kind of launched this whole 
monetizing social media when social media was new. Right. And I jumped on with them and, and started building trucks and helping them build the business and doing all this stuff. And, and we were really, really enjoying it. Like we were giving trucks away for free, you know, and right. it was blowing up on social media. So we kind of like, quote unquote, became famous. Like, I think I had a hundred or 200,000 followers on Facebook wow. before we even had the show. And, uh, and then the show came along and they, they said, Hey, we want you to do this show. And we were like, nah, we like what we're doing. Like we were making good money and we were doing fun shit. And then they finally talked us into it in 2014. Okay. And we said yes. And it just blew up overnight. And then within the first two seasons, I was like, I'm done working in the business. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I was working as an owner of the website for diesel sellers. I was working, building the trucks. Cause that's just what I like to do. Right. So on and so forth. So I was in there and I went to, to heavy D and D slave. I was like, Hey man, I, this just doesn't make any sense. Let's be done. You know? So we essentially, I, it was done. Discovery came back and they were like, Hey, we understand you're not going to be working and building and doing this anymore, but we want you on the TV show. So I stuck around. Discovery's like, we'll pay you separately, but you're good. Enough. You're going to be on the TV show as a character. And so I stayed. And in the interim of all of that is when I started building those other companies, all the other companies that I was building. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Really? And yeah. And and then the, the TV show became crazy popular. Dude, that's, and it's what it's like, the, it's, I think it's number one TV show on Discovery, right? Yeah. We, uh, for a long time, we were the number one show to ever air, like in all of Discovery Channel's history since the sixties, we were the biggest show to air, like premiere for them, wow. for reality. And then our show just kind of killed it along the way. And then about two years ago, we had our last uh, episode air and we kind of got burned out. So we kind of kept filming, but we slowed way down. And then, oh, I don't know. I mean, dude, I was even filming yesterday and hopefully it was our last time to film, but now we've got a new season coming out. We haven't been on air for just over two years. Really? And I think this new season in the next 60 to 90 days is going to be, you know, really? I think it's going to be really big. I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait. Dude, you are all over the place. Man. I really am. But it just shows that like you, like people, you can be diverse. And like, if you, if you have that mindset and like, you really have a dream and you really want to do something because like, we'll go kind of, I know you really well. And so like, I know that your dream and like what you really want is like your like family, you're a big family guy. And like, we always talk, like we were sitting in the pool. I don't know if you remember this in, in Puerto Vallarta that you were like, look, like you talked about a conversation you and Tony Robbins had and uh, about all the work and everything going on and like what means most to you. And you took a step back and you're like, my family means most to me. Like I'm taking a, a reset and a check, like make sure that like my, my values are, are aligned. Uh -huh. Like, and I know like I want to get into your book because I think that your book is, is awesome. Um, the divorce handbook, you know, people can get it on, on Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you wrote that book and you, you mentioned to me one time that you kind of wrote it as an outlet. Yeah. And therapy, therapy, can you kind of, you know, dive into, I guess, a little bit more into that? Because I, and I do think that because there's so much hurt in it out there for, especially in, in men in divorce yeah. that your book actually is very enlightening. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a really good book. Yeah. So I had a wonderful wife. Um, she was great. We didn't work out. I actually ended up having an affair, which did it takes like yeah huge guts yeah, yeah. to say that yeah but i learned when i did it like if i was going to heal and i was going to fix things because ultimately that's what i wanted to do i needed to be open and honest with it man i fucked up i made mistakes i did stupid things 
But at the end of the day, like we didn't work. And even if I wouldn't have had the affair, we wouldn't have worked. There's, there's just some, some things that are not there that didn't work, but that doesn't change the fact she's a wonderful woman. She was a wonderful mother, still is a wonderful mother. And, and then as, as I got out of it and I, dude, I just went through the darkest places. I essentially left. I kept my children in the home. I kept her in the home. I paid for everything for them, took care of them while I went and just in the darkest, shittiest place ever for a while really? to kind of get through and say like, Hey man, I got, I got some changing. I got to do, I need to change. Right. I need to grow. And it was hard, dude. It was really, really hard. So I, I was single for a long time. Um, I did date some great girls and I realized that I was carrying around with me the hurt and the pain from the divorce and the things that I had done. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I genuinely think that if I write a book, I can help people. And if I can help people to help me, so I did. Uh, I wrote a book on divorce or I shouldn't say, I know I shouldn't have even labeled it the book on divorce because it's more a self-help book. Right. Right. Like every chapter I send you through, you need to do this. Challenges. And yeah. Stuff, and then yeah. I give you challenges at the end. And I wrote the book and as I started to write it and then essentially like put it down on paper, I realized that it was healing for me and that it was a way for me, even though I had apologized to my ex and tried to make up and taken care of her the best that I possibly could, it was a way for me to heal. So I wrote it and then I, I just, I published it and I didn't think I dude, I genuinely didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it was going to sell very well. I was just like, yeah, I just put it out there and maybe people will want, you know? And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll sell a hundred copies. And, and within the first week I got uh, an email from Amazon that said, Hey, you're the number one seller on Amazon in this genre of book. And I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. You know, that's insane. And the reason they contact you is because they want to do more stuff with you because obviously they see that there's money there and it never came to anything because I, I don't have any plans on writing another book. But I put it out there and and essentially it's it's just a guideline for people going through divorce and even a guideline for people struggling in their relationships to take a step back and make the decision like you're the problem. And the truth is anything that I teach, that's the forefront of it. Like right. you're your own problem. If you right. become successful, are you going to turn around and say, well, it was Mikkel that made me successful? Right. No, no, you're going to think that she was the support. But you can't in turn do that and not say, well, I failed and it's because of her and I failed because of him and I failed right. because of the blame game. No. Yeah, dude, you're the one. Right. You got to take your own shit. You got to be your own. If you're going to take the credit when it's good, you got to take the credit when it's bad. And that's essentially what the whole book is about. Like, dude, you fucked up. You messed up. You screwed things up. And I don't care. I'm not saying that it's all 100% you, but it doesn't matter any piece that is somebody else. Right. In the divorce, it's 100% your, your fault in your own mind. Now that may not be true on paper. Like they may have done things. You may have done things, yada, 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 but what they do and their fault is no longer your problem. Right. 100% of your problem is what you did and your fault. And that's what the whole book is. It's like, look in the mirror and realize you are your own either enemy or your own best friend. You are the reason for your success or you're the reason for your failures. End of story. If you can't do that, you will never get to any place in your life that you you long to be. And for me at that time, it was in a healthy relationship. So I had to stand in front of a mirror and say, you're the reason I could tell you a million reasons why I had an affair. And I could give you a million excuses as for why I did what I did. But at the end right. of the day, it's my fault. Period. End of story. She did nothing, nothing wrong. And that's all that mattered to me. And so that's what the book is. And I have had some really, really cool messages from hundreds of people. that are like, dude, this changed my life. Right. Because they were in a place in their life where they were playing the blame game 
And they were saying that it's their fault and they did this and they, and I stopped them in the book and said, listen, stop doing that shit. You're not doing any favors to anybody. You're never going to heal. And truthfully, if you're putting the blame on them, you're most likely the problem anyway. Exactly. And th- and that's probably what led to a lot of causes, just that attitude, right? Ca- a lot of cause of bad things. How has the relationship between you, your ex-wife, your current wife, the family, how has that helped you in life and in business? Because I, it's really hard for me, like, you know, I've been divorced and it was really hard for me to going through like that, that relationship that I had. And, and she was amazing. She's an amazing woman. I, you know, I have nothing but respect for her. Um, I love her. Like she's my, my daughter's mom. My, you know, she's, she's, we were just together with, you know, her at Lagoon the other night and just hanging out. And when she came to, you know, our house for her, you know, my daughter's birthday, we have a great relationship. When that was a rough relationship, it was hard to go to work and it was hard to, you know, go fake it in front of people. And at that time I was speaking on a bunch of stages and doing different things about motivation and life is great. And I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, my life's like not great. And how has it helped you there? I guess there's, there's probably not that layer of stress. I think anybody can weather the storm that's, that's outside. So you put me in, in crazy seas, I'm going to figure it out, but you can't weather the storm when it's inside. Right. Um, and, and when you're in turmoil inside from your own relationships and your own family and your own shit, like everything else that comes at you is just compounded times 10, right? right. Like when stresses come to you today on a daily basis at your work, you can deal with them. Right. When you have turmoil and, and, and you're storming inside, inside your marriage, inside yourself and having all these issues, dude, you can't even focus on other shit. Right. I noticed that when I was filming and I can actually look back at my filming, the TV show, when I was going through my divorce, you can see it translate on TV, no matter how hard I tried to hide it, it, really? it translated. Yeah. Like dude, to even the way that I looked, my mannerisms, like Everything that I did, I was always in turmoil. It was in the back of your mind, yeah, because right? Because I mean, it was in the front of my or mind. In front of your like, mind, it's, it's right there. Like, yeah. okay, we're here, and you got to put a smile on. And all I can think about is that my marriage is burning down. Right. You know, and so I can uh, totally relate to have, that. Yeah. So having my wife now and my ex-wife have a good relationship because of our children to me is really crucial. Because if the seas inside me are not calm, I can't deal with the bullshit on the outside. And and that's the other reason why I'm really quick to cut people out of my life. Like, dude, if you're going to cause turmoil inside my life and create problems for me, you cannot be inside. Right, because it, 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 like it compounds to such an epic level because there, you have so much going on that, you know, if you have this person just giving you turmoil, then, okay, maybe you talk to five of your, your, your man, your, your CEOs, or your managers that day. Yeah. And it's like, you just, then and it's like, you just it over. spilled it all over. And then it just toxic for them. Like, yeah. and this, like talking about culture, like it's very important to keep that culture, you know, vibing and keep the culture, absolutely. you know, how you want it to happen instead of, you know, a lot of times, like I always tell people, look, you know, anything negative goes up, never goes down. Right. Yeah. Like if you're a manager, you never say anything to your salespeople. And ne- never, it goes up. If you have anything problem, it goes up because we can deal with that. Like, you know, things, things like that. So I always tell people like, it, you know, and then this is a really good explanation, but like, have you ever been in a conversation where someone's having a conversation with you and all you can think about is the bullshit that you're dealing with in yeah. your personal life? 100%. But you're, you're literally just like, I don't even know what's going on. And you have to go back and go say, what, what did you say? That literally affects you in every way of your life. So if there's right. turmoil inside, you're not present in the present situation. And that fucks up everything. Everything. It, dude, it's even hard to drive. Yeah. Like if you're having a conversation that's just an intense conversation that's just 
yeah. crazy. Like I have to pull over because yeah. I'm like, I can't even think about anything else. And like, there's some people like on my team, they know like, Hey, don't come with me with just crazy stuff and crazy yeah. issues. Come with me with maybe the issue and a solution. Yeah. Because then I'm like in hyper overdrive, like, what can we do to fix this? And I'm going crazy. And they're like, you know, it, it just gets it, but it goes part of that culture. Like, you know, you have to have that good culture to be able to, to do things like that and make people comfortable to be able to come to you for things and then be able to make mistakes and do different things like that. So, you know, one thing I want to talk about as well is, you know, your, your desire, like people don't know this about you. You really have the, the want and like that desire that seems like, you know, to me, just outside looking in that burning desire to really help people. You've launched Limit Society. Tell us about that. One of my goals, like a year ago, I just sat down. I had just made some really good money on a deal or some, I don't remember, but I, I remember thinking like, man, I got, I have a decent amount of money. My mind just shifted to like, I really want to help people feel what I'm feeling right now. And that's like, like peace in life that everything's going to be okay. Cause there's a lot of money in my bank account. And maybe that's just because for me, that that's what brings me peace. And I said, I'm going to make 10 people a millionaire this year. And I set that goal out. Like, I'm like, I'm going to make 10 millionaires. And I didn't know at the time, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And then, and then I started talking to a friend who was like, dude, why do you not spend time coaching people? Why don't you spend time talking to people? And I'm always like, I don't know, man, I got so much going on. He's like, I know, but just think about it. Like you can make money coaching people and you can help people change their lives and make money. Like it's not, and I used to tell him like, I don't know, man, I feel like a fraud. I'm going to tell people to sign up for my course and do my thing. And just kind of feed him full of bullshit. And he's like, yeah, but can you help them? I said, hell yeah, dude. If I sat down with somebody, I could help, I could help them change their life. He's right. like, then, then you need to take that and you need to work that into something. And so he was like, why don't you think about a, a program or creating a culture and tell people that you want to help them? And I was like, okay, let's do it, man. He's like, all right, think of a name. And all I could think of, all I can always think of is that, that we as human beings are limitless. Right. And I've thought that since shit, I don't remember, dude, since I was 10. I can do whatever I want. Like in the, in the 1800s, somebody was like, I want to fly like a bird. And everybody's like, you're a fucking idiot. You can't fly like a bird. Right. And I just got off a jet. Like I was in the air for four hours. Right. Every single thing that you could possibly comprehend in your mind can actually happen. And I felt that way for a really long time. So I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to create a society of people that I could teach that they are limitless. And so right. I was like, oh, limitless society. And that's literally how I came up with the name. Like, I want to teach people that they can be limitless. And I want to teach people that they can do whatever they want. It's not just about money. It's about everything. You want to do something, I'll show you how to do it. Right. If there's anything that I'm good at, it's setting up goals and accomplishing goals and dreams. It, I may not be good at anything else, but I'm really good at creating my goal, creating my dream, and then getting all the way to the end of it. So I, I started this program, essentially teaching people how to accomplish their goals and their dreams, how to become happy, how to have happiness. It's not just money. It's not just time. It's not just relationships. It's all of it. Right. You know, a lot of people have made money. They have other goals. Cool. I want to help you with those goals. And then at that point, I said, you know what? I'm going to tell everybody in the whole world. I just want to help them. Like, that's all I want to do. What's your goal? Okay, let's do it. Right. And I'm going to show you how to do it because I want you at some point to come back and say, man, I really, really appreciate you. You helped me create and find a way to accomplish my goal. 
And I don't care about anything else now. Like I just don't. Money's going to come and go. I'm going to spend money. I'm going to do cool shit with money. And all I care about now is helping other people accomplish goals because it makes me feel good. Right. It's almost like a sales guy that that, that gets his first $100,000 sell and his million dollar sell. Like it's this like almost dopamine hit, right? Right. And for me, that dopamine hit now is helping people. And so that's what the group is. That's as simple as I could put it. Like all I want to do is help people. Uh, that's that's huge, man. And I and I and I see it all the time because I mean I'm on the calls, and I talk to you out there, and you know text and whatever, and and I see the people, and I've seen the progression with some people, and you know I don't see them as you know they don't give me the details as they give you, but I'm seeing them on the Discord, and I'm seeing different yeah. things, and and just small achievements, right? Because yeah. in life, like there's very rare, it's very rare to be like pushed in like. I guess challenged in certain ways because there's a lot of people that like don't have that credibility to challenge you. Yeah. And a lot of people out there, I believe have theory, just yeah. like you were talking about, <laughs> you know, before of like, you would rather hire the person with that's failed at a hundred businesses than the dude fresh out of Harvard business school. Yeah. Because technically like, I guess it mattered. Now Harvard business school is different. Right. But like, there are a lot of schools out there, a lot of different things. And like, this isn't to knock on school, but I mean, I'm not, I'm anti. I'm yeah. not anti-school. I'm anti-school without a purpose. Right. You have to have a reason. Yeah. To you want to be right? an astronaut. You want to be a doctor. Engineer. You want to be an engineer. Right. You want to be a lawyer. Okay. Right. Go to school. Get your shit. Outside right. of that, what the fuck are you doing in school? Right. And like, but like after you get out of that, like graduation day, you're full of theory, and most of the professors are just dudes who went to school and got a doctorate. And this is just my, like people blow me up on social media and and try to prove me wrong and like. I hope I've like I hope I improved wrong because then there's really good schools out there. But a lot of the schools that I've looked at and been around, it's teachers that have or professors that have kept going to school and got a doctorate because that allows you to become a professor in most yeah. schools. And it's just teaching on theory. But show me someone who's done yeah. opened up businesses and had that ice cream shop or had that contracting company or done a development and built Which a house and things see. that you, you don't. never see, dude. You don't roll up to Weber state and say, I want to talk to the business professor and sit down with him and go, Hey man, how did you make your first $10 million in your business? And he right. goes, Oh, well I have six businesses that made 10 million. No, you didn't. No. And you, I mean, I, I don't want to say if you can't do, then you should teach, but that's how it feels in our society. It's right. like, there's so much more value outside of school. Like mm -hmm. there's so much more value in different masterminds and yeah. different, different, like the limitless society. And like, do you get access to people that have been to the school of hard knocks? They've been, they've done these things. Yeah. They've opened up restaurants. Okay. I'm trying to open up a food truck. Well, you know, I, I know per, like, it, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the group limits, like, Hey, I know my brother has a bunch of food trucks. Yeah. He knows exactly the permits, everything's supposed to do. Like we can get access to people. The school can't really teach you that. Like, and they don't really want to. No. Right. So I think it's just a really screwed up kind of, society that it, it kind of puts you in a box yeah. and then you've been trained to stay in that box right it's like yeah. you know then you get challenged then you join a group like yours and you get challenged because i love that you challenge yeah. every single week you know to work on something because you made me you know it was like three weeks ago you, it was on fear and you had to write down all my fears and different things and i'm like man I, i'm like people think i'm fearless because you know i'm the ceo of a hundred million dollar company and I got this and that and whatever, but I have a lot of fears and a lot of them have to do with like social anxiety almost sometimes, sure. but I do have a lot of like mental blocks yeah. and I guess maybe they're not so much fears. They're just like mental blocks that I'm like, I just feel like I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's made me work my way through that, but that wasn't out of a textbook. That was out of Keen Hoskins mouth. So, yeah. and, and I, and I appreciate that, but it's really good to be around people to challenge you and to, and to force in like to do different things. Well, and to make you do. 
Right. I, I think one action, thing, massive action, yeah, just I think crazy one thing action. That we miss a lot, and especially in school, it's why I'm not a big adv- advocate for school. Is it's more about it's more about the journey of doing something than it is about the education around it. Right. right? And and that's one of the reasons why in limitless society, the the biggest part to the group is the challenge of right. actually doing. I'm not going to tell you how to do Dude, you life. call people out and it holds yeah. people accountable. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to do life. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And then I'm going to tell you to come back and report on what I just told you to do. Right. Because this is a challenge that you're going to do. And you're probably going to fail at it, which I hope. Right. Because failure always leads to success. Right. It just right. does. Exactly. It's all your way to success. That's what that people think that you just hit. Maybe if you're an heiress and all of a sudden you hit the jackpot or whatever, but they still failed, 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 and all of a sudden, boom, hit a hit a you know jackpot or whatever. And so people, the biggest thing is just start and don't stop. Like you have to just have massive action. And I definitely feel like that's what your you know your limit society is all about. And people like it's cool to sit there on the Discord and everybody's just motivating people. But that's just like that's the society you want to be a part of, right? I mean, it, it's it's a it's a uplifting uplifting culture. So. Dude, thanks for putting that together. It's Absolutely. been it's been awesome, Keaton. One last thing I want to ask you is is uh, what I kind of ask everybody is success is what to you? What what do you think success is personally? I think those who are successful, and this is kind of simple. So emotions are a fleeting thing, right? Like you never stay in one emotion. Like anger, you're not angry all the time. I mean, right. some people are angry a lot, but right. not all the time. Not all the time, right? They um, sleep. Yeah, you don't stay sad all the time. Like time, time always changes emotion. Right. I think success is based off of the person that is in the happiness emotion the longest and the most. Mm. That's what I think success is. Damn, I've seen millionaires and billionaires who are unfucking happy, and I would not for a second think they're successful. I'll tell you who I think is one of the most revered losers in the world. And that's Warren Buffett. I think he is a fucking loser. And I, and I know that sounds crazy, but if you spent your entire life making the most money in the world and you didn't get to enjoy life with that money, you're a fucking loser. He drives a 2003 Camry, right? And he can afford any car he wants. He can afford anything he wants. And because he's in his brain said that all he wants to do is amass this huge financial structure, he is missing all the greatest things in life, dude. Go buy a Ferrari and jump it off a bridge and jump out. Like, dude, go buy a submarine and enjoy it with your family. Right. Go buy an island. You're making money for what? You're going to die and you're going to die living an ordinary life, being mediocre with the ability to be everything. You can own the whole world and you live in a little shitty house with a little shitty car just so you can amass this wealth. People talk about him making all this money and I think, for what? That's miserable to know that I have the ability to bless billions of people, to make billions, to do whatever I want to do. And all I'm doing is sitting in an office, saving every penny and talking about saving every penny. Dude. Oh my gosh. That's my nightmare. I would rather be broke as fuck with memories than I would be Warren Buffett today. I'm telling you that right now. Boom. And that sucks, dude. But when you talk about success with me, All I care about is how long I can be in the happiness emotion. 
And, you know, that entails a lot of things like what makes you happy, what makes me happy, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, success is everybody's different piece. But dude, listen, I've sat in the room with a billionaire and I've sat in the room with someone who makes minimum wage. And the person that is that is the happiest is the one that I want to be. And that's the one that I, I seek after. Now, for me, happiness and that emotion is tied financially, right? Like, but for right. some people, it's not. I know some really good people. I mean, you met Sia. Yep. Sia is one of my favorite people in the whole world. The guy's broke. He lives paycheck to paycheck. And he is always happy. Right. He's always making people happy. He's always, you know, he's successful. And then, you know, you look at Warren Buffett. And he's this ornery old guy that's pinching fucking pennies, driving a 2003 Camry. It's like, dude, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make a million dollars and not use it. Right. I just don't. And right. so to me, success is not just tied to financial, but what I do with my financial success. Uh, it sounds crazy again, but dude, I want to die with, with debt. I want to die with a fuckload of debt. I want to have zero money to my name because I spent all of it on my kids and my friends and my family and my memories. I want right. to go to the grave knowing I did every possible thing and enjoyed every possible thing. Because who the fuck wants to go to the grave not doing what they wish they would have done and had money in their account? Right. That's stupid. Yeah, you don't want to live life with, oh, I wish I would have done that. Wish I would have yeah. taken that vacation. Wish and then I look back and go, oh, yeah, but I have a hundred grand in my bank account. Right. And then it goes to like, you know, to the point of like working so much that you lose, you lose perspective on like your values in that, right? Sure. Because you can work so hard and earn so much money and be financially successful if you want to call it that but yeah. then your family's at home just dying yeah. for you to be with them and like that like people lose perspective i lost perspective and you know that's a huge reason why i got divorced and you know i i, I live in that regret but i've almost used i'm almost, i've almost like learned to use that regret as fuel to change my future yeah and like people always like oh like i never have regrets well then like it's almost like you never really learned anything yeah. like you have to have that like that regret emotion yeah. it's like okay I, I did something wrong I shouldn't have done it. I operated wrong and I need to change my future. And dude, maybe you don't take your failures as a regret. Like I don't, I'm glad I had my failures. I don't regret those at all. But yeah. at the end of the day, you got to fail. Right. Right. And, and dude, I don't know. I, I look back and I think, at the, and, and I, I shouldn't say this, but my wife, my father-in-law, he's a really good example. Like the dude makes millions and millions yeah. of dollars and he wasn't even there for his granddaughter's first birthday. Right. Because he was doing work. And if you asked him why he's doing work, it's not for the money anymore. He's just doing it. He's the CEO of Smith's. And it's like, dude, you weren't there for your your granddaughter's birthday, her first birthday? Right. Bro, the, you, there's nothing in this world. There's no business deal I'm going to be doing in 10 or 15 Heck years no. that my daughter's firstborn and my first grandchild having their first birthday. I'm not fucking missing that. I'm either dead or I'm there. Right. And then, then I look back at him and I'm like, bro, you got millions and millions of dollars in the bank and you're missing a birthday? Right. No, no, no. You're not successful at all. Right. There's no success in what you're doing. Right. It's just not. Dude, that's that's huge. A lot of people lose perspective. I mean, we've had conversations about when you've been stuck in places and you're like, I got to go home. Yeah. Let me borrow the plane. And I'm like, dude, whatever you got to do. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, you just you figure it out. I mean, I've been in situ. That's why I you know, use our plane to fly day trips because I don't want to lose those. Dude, it's funny, like like that. When I called you for that, I I think we got paid twelve grand to go to this event, and I was 
literally ready to pay 12 grand to have the plane come get me to be home right. so I could be with my family. Right. Because that was more important to me than, than making the money. You know, exactly. I was like, dude, just get me home. I just want to be with my kids. Exactly. I want to be with my wife, whatever it is. And so listen, I'm not, I'm not saying to people like financial isn't successful, but that's one piece to success and one piece to happiness. And if you want to be truly happy, which is what limitless society is about, like there's, there's a lot of pieces that you got to put together. There's a reason why people who are really rich commit suicide because right. there isn't happiness in just being financially stable. Exactly. Amen to that. No, it, it's so true, but man, I appreciate you so much. I, this, this has been, we went a little longer than I, than I thought, it's but this right. has been a great conversation. You know, I want to end with what can, where can people find you? On Instagram, it's the dot muscle and pretty much everything is there. Like you can message me there. Uh, Limitless Society is in that bio. So okay. you can click on that and find that there. Essentially, everything is on Instagram. So Awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you so much for taking the time of sitting down with me. I know that you're super busy and I uh, appreciate you. And we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Culture Camp Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating on your podcast player and share this episode with your team.